What is beauty? I think beauty, Dostoevsky said so. You know, you, you, we can't live without beauty. Beauty will save the world. And then, according to Plato, it is the splendor of truth, harmony, perfect proportions, and the balance of shapes. And Dostoevsky would say, beauty shall save the world. And I think so too. We can't live without art, without beauty, it's impossible. Any art, you know, can be also a singer, an opera singer. Uh, all the arts are connected. Hi, this is Sarah with another episode of Materially Speaking, where artists tell their stories through the materials they choose. Today, I'm meeting Dutch sculptor Daphne Dubarry in Pietrasanta. Daphne's studios are tucked away, a short walk from the central Piazza Duomo, home to the Church of San Martino, which dates back to 1223. The majestic church has three marble-adorned naves and is decorated with marble bas-reliefs of the crucifixion, the deposition and the resurrection. As I enter Daphne's studio, we come through an elegant room with a small round table, a treasured photograph of Daphne with her late husband and a joyful vase of flowers. Then we step into her high ceilinged studio where she starts her creations. Around us are many clay models, some covered with plastic to keep them moist, and bronze statues in the figurative style for which she is so well known. And as we sit down, right next to us is a bronze model of D'Artagnan, the famous musketeer, on a horse rearing up on its hind legs. I asked Daphne to introduce herself. My name is Daphne Duberry. I was married to Jean-Claude, a nobleman from Gascony. I met him at Salvador Dali's home in Spain, and that was love at first sight. Jean-Claude was art critique, and he wrote about artists, journalists, and for me, perfect to have an art critique because he could, you know, see everything with his eyes and uh, I liked to be criticized in a positive way, which makes you grow. So that was a perfect match. I had a girlfriend, uh, Spanish, from time to time. Dali would call her to pose and she called me up, she said, why don't you come with me? I'm going to have tea at Salvador Dali's home. And I said, well, why not, you know? <laughs> I didn't really know him that well. And uh, I was in my 20s. I thought it was very exciting. So I went there uh, with this friend, Carmen. And then I met Jean-Claude, my future husband, because he was there at that moment at the house of Dali. And uh, that's how our beautiful love affair started. I was born in Holland. I studied in Holland after uh, high school. I definitely, definitely left Holland. I studied one year in Switzerland. I studied in Germany at the School for Translators. And then I went to Canada, Montreal, 
first at McGill's University. I think we are born with talents. I speak seven languages. I read. I I, I write them. It's. I mean, we're we're born with talents, you know. And I'm spoiled because God gave me many talents, <laughs> which is very useful, you know. So then I came back to Europe. Then I wanted to study since I was a child, like seven years old. I had my guitar. I would uh, compose songs. I would uh, play and, uh, you know, been singing all my life. So when I was a child, I told to myself, you shall be a singer, which I was. So I came back to Europe. I did a few years at the Sorbonne, modern literature. Then I did four years at the Conservatoire for uh, classical music while I was soprano. And in the meantime, I met Jean-Claude. And, you know, during about 15 years of my life, I would um, see Dali this summer in, in Caracas. Paul Gigat was where his house and his studio. And since Jean-Claude had this work of, you know, writing about artists, so that was really, uh, for me, extraordinary because with all those travels, we would visit museums. And that's the best way, you know, to study, I think, with the old masters. Did you model also for Dali? Yes, or? yes, of course. Yes. And how was it working with him? Dali was very funny, you know. He would have an idea, of course, like we all have artists. We have an idea, we use a model, but then, of course, you, you transform the model. Sometimes Dali, he would transform me, for example, in a fish. He, uh, he made a, a book and he would uh, make me, uh, how do you call that, in a sylphid, in a... Like a mermaid. Yes, like a mermaid. But and, and that was really, uh, you know, Dali was a real genius, you know. So that was a very interesting master in philosophy also. He had a philosophy of life. You know what the thing is with Dali? He uh, loved beauty, of course, uh, in Dali's uh, home. Uh, there were always models, the beautiful girls, boys. You can't imagine the beauty, you know, of those young models that Dali required for his uh, paintings. And at the same time, Dali was very much interested in uh, science. You know, and in Paris, I met Crick and Watson, you know. that the funny thing is when they talk about the, how do you call it, DNA. And Dali would take out a, 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 a drawing from his pocket as well. I thought this before you. And he showed a drawing. Who He draw this, you know, <laughs> thing, you know. He drew you know. the DNA. Yes. He said, I have thought about it before you, you know, and that, that was Dali, you know. Very often those like Leonardo da Vinci, those big artists, they see things before, you know, in advance, like Leonardo with his airplanes. Already he thought about it, you know, he could not even imagine that once we would have those flying machines in the air, you know. Can you imagine? So that's what those genius give us, you know. They see much more in advance than we. So that was the beautiful thing about Dali, a huge culture, very much interested also in science because it's important, science, very important. Then I started um, to work with uh, leather. I did uh, huge uh, leather sculptures. I did a Pieta for a cathedral. I did Klaus Kinski playing, uh, you know, when he did this movie about Paganini and then he posed for me and I did his statue in leather. And that was another period uh, in my life. How do you work with leather? I'm well, you, it's, it's very uh, special because you need a support, which is, of course, uh, plaster of Paris, but very hard plaster of Paris, like almost like marble, you know, like stone. And then with that, you 
put the drapery on top of it, but of course you have to put it in a way that uh, it looks like almost uh, a wooden sculpture. For example, my Pieta in the Casuso of Arche in uh, Gascony. When you see it, you know, it looks like uh, sculpture de Renaissance, like wood. And it's very particular, very interesting. But of course, you can't put it outside because if not, you know, it would, uh, well, it doesn't, it doesn't get ruined, but the thing is the patina. Of course, I made patina because the leather, it's, it's, it's an untreated leather, you know. It's without any color. It looks like a champagne color. And then you have to, to treat it and to, to, to paint it. I use special colors. So, well, that was a period, my leather statues. So I just started again. I met this Hungarian master. Tell me about the Hungarian master. He said, oh, well, that's beautiful, your leather sculptures, but the real art is uh, bronze and marble and wood. I said, okay, no problem. So he said, now you must study drawing. So I came to a studio and he said, oh, you really have talent because I said, well, you know, if you think uh, it's not worth it, don't worry, you know, it's okay for me. He said, no, no, you have talent, you have talent. So, you know, I started uh, for three years to study drawing with him, anatomy, myology, you know, the study of the muscles, skeleton, you know, very important. Then at the same time, I met my Italian master, also in Paris, because I had a studio in Paris, Marcello Tomasi. And he saw my drawings, oh, fantastic, but you have to come to my studio in Italy, you, you know, and that's how it started, you know, from one thing into another. Everything is connected anyway, you know. So, and it was like a vocation. And then I started, oh my God, with such a passion, you know, you can't imagine. But um, your first commission was religious. With the Pope. Yes, exactly. So and maybe the last one will be, <laughs> who knows? My first uh, monumental statue was for Reims. I did uh, the baptism of uh, Clovis by Saint Remy. And that was. Um, in 1996, we celebrated the 1500 years of the baptism of Clovis, first Catholic king of France. He converted. And, and then uh, that's where, when I met John Paul II, the Pope. He invited me first to the Vatican and I showed him the small model of the future monument, which he approved. Then I did the monument, which was inaugurated by the Pope John Paul II in 1996, it was my first huge monument, fantastic. Then I did uh, the Christ uh, on the cross for the church of Monaco, which Prince Rainier would uh, ask me to realize. And uh, John uh, the Baptist for Malta. And I did for the casinos of Monte Carlo, uh, the, the Lady Fortune, you know, the fortune with the horn of abundance. And she's blind because you never know when the fortune arrives and when it goes, you know. So when the people go to gamble, they touch, you know, the, the horn of abundance and all the coins that come out, the uh, golden coins. And, uh, you know, to symbolize, you know, the fortune. Everybody wants, you know, to, to become fortunate in a way. Can be in a material way, can be in a spiritual way, you know. <laughs> it arrives, I always say it arrives with the legs of... Uh, what do you call those animals that have their house on their... Uh, oh, tortoise. Turtle. It arrives with the feet of the turtle and it runs away with the, the feet of a leopard, you know, very fast. You can lose your fortune very quickly. 
can we talk about your faith or religion? Absolutely. And I was working on Marie Madeleine, you know, Maria Magdalena, yes. And uh, I didn't really succeed and I got so angry. And so I would cry, you know, like that up to the to heaven, say, well, why don't you help me? Uh, and I, I got this help. And of course, Jean-Claude was Catholic, but he, he would never force me. You know? I mean, he, he very much respected uh, my way of, uh, well, my philosophy in life. Uh, of course, I had faith, but you know, faith in what, you know? I would have studied uh, anything, you know, Buddhism and Zen and this and that, you know, and, and nothing did really satisfy me. And at that moment, when I got this piece inside and I made a very beautiful statue and said, well, this is a real sign. And then I, I, I converted uh, very quickly, but I was very much prepared because living, Europe is a, a Christian, uh, uh, well, all Europe is Christian, you know, wherever you go, uh, you, you find uh, our cathedrals, our churches, our public places, they are filled up, you know, uh, with, with uh, saints and uh, with Christ and uh, Holy Mary and, you know, it's, it's full of it. It's our culture, whether you have faith or not, but still, it's our culture. But so, when you are surrounded by all this, so it, 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 it has, a, it leaves a trace, it influences you totally. All this beauty, you know, that uh, surrounds us. All that you are looking at, it's all being created for love of God. Because all those artists in the Renaissance, they had a huge faith, you know. When you create something, it transcends the person that looks at a painting or, or a sculpture and it's been done with that spirit, you bring something more into this artwork. It's not only material, it's not only horizontal, you have this transcendency. That's very important. I became Catholic and that was uh, extraordinary for me. My, my life changed. I, I'm, I'm the same person, of course. But it, it brought light and stability and uh, hope and, uh, well, something that is very personal, of course. But it's important to bring light to this world. We need it. And beauty. So important. You know, I am reading this, for example, what is beauty? I think beauty, Dostoevsky said so. You know, you, you, we can't live without beauty. Beauty will save the world. And then, according to Plato, it is the splendor of truth, harmony, perfect proportions, and the balance of shapes. And Dostoevsky would say, beauty shall save the world. And I think so too. We can't live without art, without beauty. It's impossible. Any art, you know, can be also a singer, an opera singer. Uh, you know, all the arts are connected, you know. So that's a very important. How was it for you meeting the Pope at such a young age? Oh, fabulous. Then? Fabulous because, uh, well, John Paul II, uh, you know, when, when I first met him, I could only feel this tremendous love. It was a person who would, you know, right away you feel at ease and this love, you know, oh, amazingly. Very, uh, you, you can't really, describe it. He would take my hands and he would, you know, just look at my small piece of the baptism, Clovis, and 
Well, that was a very special moment. And then when he came to inaugurate uh, the monument. Those are fantastic uh, people to meet in your life. They change your life, like Dali, uh, well, my husband, of course, first of all. <laughs> but so many personalities that uh, enrich in your life. Because people enrich in your life. They do. What is the one lesson you learned from Dali or from the Pope? Or is there anything that... Dali, uh, I mean, you know, I could only listen to him because, I, you know. And uh, well, this genius, you know. What I liked is what I miss nowadays. He was like an artist of the Renaissance. He, he knew so much, you know. Uh, you could ask him anything and he would know because, you know, those people like in the Renaissance, they knew everything, you know. They would uh, study philosophy, theology, uh, other artists of them, science. That's, that's a, a huge lesson, you know, to know why we have to go on studying all our lives. We never finish. And well, with the Pope, <laughs> what can I say? A lesson of, of love <laughs> from, uh, well, he is a representative of, of, you know, of Christ on earth. And when he came to Paris, you know, for the youth, you know, it was a special journey for the youth. There were one million young people from all over Europe. And then he said, don't be afraid, uh, don't be scared. Cry out your, uh, your, your faith, uh, you know. With your face, with God, nothing can happen to you, you know, and it's true. Nothing can happen to you. So I think that's a, that's a fantastic message. And your husband, I know, he was an art critic. You see. Yes, right. Yes. He wrote about artists, journalists, art critic. So he always took me to a museum when we would travel all around the world, in New York or in Greece, you know, Madrid, Le Prado. All around the world, I've been, and that's really the best way to, to study art first, I think, before you put it in practice. You know, Goethe said, all that I have not drawn, I have not seen it. And it's true. Once you start to draw, uh, then you really have to look at things profoundly. And most of the people, they look, but they don't see. Looking and seeing is very different. Because when you go and visit all the important museums in the world, you, your eye gets accustomed. You have to look and see through things. And when I started to draw, then even more. And sometimes it's terrible. I look at people and I go right through them, you know. That's, that's my uh, professional, uh, well, comment peut dire ça? une deviation, a professional deviation. So look at people. That's the most important thing. You can look at things and not see them. You can listen to music and not hear it. How many people really uh, see, listen, are able to listen, are able to see? I wanted to ask you, how is it for you to get uh, faith into a work of art, to, to get that melding of faith and religiosity, or I don't even know what the word to is. To bring the spiritual dimension into an artwork. Well, uh, I pray a lot. I pray a lot. When I did, for example, when I do a Holy Virgin or uh, well, any religious uh, monument, 
I pray. And then uh, I live in a different way. I, I eat less. I, you know, I try to, to do like now we are in the epoch of Karem, you know, I don't know how do you say Karem before Easter. A Karem. Lent. And then for certain monuments, you know, that's what I do. And then I let, let my hand guide, you know. I said, well, when I did my Christ for the cathedral, I said, well, I speak directly, you know, to Christ. I said, well, what, how would you like me to make you, you know? And I just let my hand guide, you know. Now I have to do this Holy Virgin. And I, I, I received some... Uh, graces for other people for whom I prayed a lot, a lot. And she gave that, those graces. So I'm going to make this statue, which is, of course, uh, I have to do it for a church, but I'm almost going to make her for myself to, uh, how would I say that? Remercier. Thank. Thank, thank her for those graces. Can you tell us about D'Artagnan? Where is well, he D'Artagnan, now? D'Artagnan, he is in Gascony, where he's born, in Lupiac. He was born in Lupiac. And um, he was uh, the captain of the Musketeers at uh, the service of the, the, the king, Louis XIV, Louis XIV. The Gascon, the Gascon, my husband was Gascon, they're very uh, fidel, faithful. And um, he died uh, at the Battle of Maastricht in the south of uh, Holland. And the king uh, would cry when he died. Yeah. So um, his uh, body was somewhere on a battlefield. Uh, uh, they would never find it. And then um, very long time ago, I did this small model of D'Artagnan horseback which my husband, of course, loved a lot. And then uh, the year that I lost my husband, that is 10 years ago, I said to Jean-Claude, you know what? I'm going to realize all the things that you still would have loved me to do. The Monument of D'Artagnan. And I presented the, the, this smaller model in Gascony to the mayor. And... Uh, they loved it and they said, yeah, that would be fantastic, but we need sponsors because can you imagine it's, it's a huge cost, you know? And uh, I believed so much in it. I said, well, I have to make this statue, you know? I said, okay, you find a sponsor. I said, well, I'm not gonna wait, you know? And then I met a man. When he saw my model, he started to cry and they said, I said, who are you? Well, um, I'm born here and all my life, as a child, I was dreaming of a statue of D'Artagnan horseback. And you were realizing my dream. I said, oh, this is fantastic. And he was the owner of the most important uh, wine factory. So I just did this statue. When I finished it, the mayor called. She, she told me, a lady, she said, we're going for it. And the, the wine, uh, uh, well, Tarike is the name of it. They're sponsoring the whole statue. I said, well, come out to Tuscany statue is waiting for you. I said, okay, and there it was. And I did it for Jean-Claude. And I said, he would have loved this. So uh, he is in Gascony. And, and the owner, well, he says, this is a love story because I've been dreaming of this my whole life. I've wanted this statue, and now it's there. 
It's fantastic, no? And it was part of your love story too. Even more, it's true. Uh, D'Artagnan, so the, the, the captain of the musketeers, I made the face of my husband. Yes, I want to. I wanted to immortalize my husband in the bronze, and he is. He has the face of the captain of the musketeers. <laughs> and I choose uh, bronze because I, I I love the material. So the texture, it's uh, I think it's beautiful. The you know, and with bronze you can uh, give patinas. So I put on a statue in clay, and then. My mold maker comes, he makes a mold, as I told you before. When the mold is done, he brings it to the foundry. And then the foundry makes a wax model out of that, which I retouch totally. I control everything. And then we call it the lost wax. That's used to do the bronze casting. When the bronze is cast, I again look at everything, you know, because you have to retouch many things. And then comes the patina, and and then so so it's a huge, uh, you know, many uh, steps mm -hmm. to go, mm -hmm. but uh, fascinating. And I did another statue, which is a very, it's very strong. Uh, I did it a long time ago. I love children, and even more because maybe because I I don't have children. Just like that. And so I made a statue of the Holy Virgin. She cries and she cries. And the, we have all those unborn babies. And I think that's the statue I most uh, cried. Because I looked at all those little babies. Said, How come a mother can't desire this child, you know? And uh, that was uh, very terrible. But even women that have no faith, they tell me, oh, but this statue is so beautiful. Because the Holy Virgin, she's also a mother, and she does not uh, judge. She's just there, she laughs, she cries, and she takes those little babies, she protects them. I think that's the statue where I most cried. Because I made seven babies, because there are seven continents, you know, and seven is also very important. Uh, it's a number of uh, perfection, you know. How many times we ourselves, we do things in life. Jesus, I could have been nicer, I could have been kinder. Why didn't I say that? Why didn't do this? Why? You know, because we are inconscient. What I said before, we look, but we don't see. We listen to music, but we don't hear it really, you know? And that's the same, we do things in our lives. Like Christ on the cross, he said, well, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That's exactly it. My last word. We have to forgive always. Forgiveness. So thanks to Daphne Dubarry. You can see her work on her website, daphne-dubarry.com. And thanks to you for listening. As with all episodes, you can find photographs of the work discussed on our website, materiallyspeaking.com, or on Instagram. If you're enjoying Materially Speaking, subscribe to our newsletter on our website, so we can let you know when the next episode goes live. Wow.